It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the A-Day weekend edition. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless checking in from Parts Unknown. Happy Easter, Painter. What's up? Painter, this is a big day. This is a big day. Not only do we have a ton to talk about in the world of Auburn football and Auburn basketball, it's going to be a pretty big episode. It's a big episode because we're starting a new era, much like the Auburn football team and, in a way, the Auburn basketball team with their roster overhaul this offseason. Um, we, we talked about this a little while back. We hinted at it, and it is now official. Uh, the Auburn Observer podcast is now moving to a three-man operation, and now joining as a regular co-host is our dear, dear friend, multi-time returning uh, champion, uh, Dan Peck of ESPN 106.7, The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck, and a wonderful Twitter account as well. Dan Welcome to the show. How are we feeling about this about this maiden voyage? I am uh, I'm honored to be here. I really want to say thanks to, uh, to to all of you guys for uh, for for the opportunity. I've been I've been a supporter for a long time. I was in many ways one of, one of the first supporters yep. of the uh, of, of the Auburn Network operation, and it's yeah, it's really cool. Uh, to be invited to uh, to play a, a a larger role in in what you guys are doing here, I'm I'm real proud of of, of what I've been able to to see as just a as a supporter and as a consumer, and it's it's going to be and and as the guest on, on the show occasionally, and and now it's it's going to be fun to join. I'm not leaving, as far as I know, I'm not leaving the drive with Bill Cameron. No. I'm going to continue to do that too. Although I probably should have run this by somebody at Auburn <laughs> Network, uh, aside from Riley Hubbard, who just helped us uh, get this thing uh, get this thing going. Although in many ways he's the only he's the only opinion you really need. Yeah, at, the, yeah, at yeah. that he's... whole place because he knows where he knows where the important stuff is plugged in. So like yep, if you, always yeah, so I feel like you know he's he's good to go. And, and since he signed off on it, he could have stopped this at any time. Yes. So I think <laughs> he I think killed in, it off. Yeah, and in, in many ways, I re, I think I received the net, the blessing of Auburn Network uh, by getting uh, Riley's help there. But no, it's it's really cool uh, to join. And, and yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to, to, to playing a uh, playing a part here here at, uh, at at Observer Observer HQ. Yeah, absolutely. So like Dan said, he is on the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Beck. It's it's a co it's a co name thing now. Uh, I feel so you, weird about because that was a surprise too. Like that was that yeah. was a that was a shoot uh, surprise. You know, but from the radio station, they did not tell me the day they put my name into the drive with Bill Cameron. And years later, I still feel weird about calling it the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. Like I still don't. It it's still the drive with Bill Cameron to me. And I, I can't. You know, I, I hear. I don't stop other people. But it's it's a very it's a very strange thing and a and, and I don't know if maybe I'll get into calling it the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck, but I I'm just so used to it just being Bill's Bill's thing and I'm the I'm the kid in the back of the classroom ruining things with right my with, with my observations. Seniors from all over league and Russell counties are gathering <laughs> at senior centers and having a I think great I just time. Got, I think I'm getting ad. <laughs> yeah, I think we're getting some commercial action from the Auburn Network. I think that's right. Hold on. Did we just, did we just ruin everything? All right. Eight senior centers no, throughout our area. One close to you in Auburn. Oh, wow. I think we leave that in. Yeah, that's that's good. That was a nice touch of the hometown. I'm, 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 so, I'm sorry about that, guys. We, do we, can yeah. we can we cut that? Is there any way to? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I kind of want to leave it in. Hold yeah, on. no, I don't. I don't think there's any foul on that play. 
All right, because well, because here's why. Because because I, I I need to make sure I didn't just I just potted something down to make that go away, and I need to make sure I didn't just take Auburn Network off the air. <laughs> if it helps, Stan, I'm about to listen to ESPNAU.com and see if I can find it. Yeah, I, well, I think it's, it's Braves Padres right now. So. So yeah, if you like this and you need more Dan Peck in your life, four to six p.m. Monday through Friday, ESPNAU 106.7 here. And Auburn, ESPNAU.com is where you can get to it. Uh, and then y'all have a podcast as well. So That's right. Av- available people- available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the, uh, the the drive with Bill Cameron. Yep. And so Dan is joining the crew, uh, which just means, you know, you're going to hear more voices on this podcast. And it'll give us a little bit more flexibility here moving forward. I think all of us have off-season obligations and, you know, trips and, and whatnot that we have to have to do. So, We'll we'll try to make it so it'll be an e- an easier uh, kind of rotation for us, and also um, we just feel like it's better with a third voice. We'll we'll also keep bringing on guests, and and you know we'll we'll have a lot of fun stuff in the works here moving forward. But Dan's here, Painter's here, I'm here. Let's get to it. Auburn football a day. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, some big news involving Auburn basketball uh, that happened on Saturday. Um, appreciate everybody listening here. Uh, real quick before we dive in, if you're listening to this and you're not subscribed to The Observer, you have like until the end of the day Sunday to subscribe for $40 a year. It's our cheapest deal we'll ever do, um, and we've and we've run it all spring practice. There will be links in the description, buttons to hit in the email if you're getting that, or just go to auburnobserver.com and sign up there. 40 bucks. It's the cheapest we'll get. You'll get all of the offseason, all of football season, and all of basketball season next year. So it's a, it, it really is a perfect time to sign up. Auburn's 8A game, um, well, it was absolutely uh, terrible in terms of weather, uh, but I do think Auburn did get a decent bit out of a day where, you know, Mother Nature just didn't cooperate at all, and this would have been a perfect weekend for a nice, pleasant, like, Dan, we were talking about this before you got on. Painter, up in parts unknown, they're having beautiful weather right now, and we've had great weather here the last few weeks here in Auburn and then like just out of nowhere we get this snap of rain and cold and it was just like between the Frank Thomas thing this weekend and a day what a great time to do it but I did feel like Auburn tried to make the most out of it uh, this weekend but just yeah really bad timing from that yeah the weather was just not it was not ideal for a, a big event weekend unfortunately it felt like that was going to be and we had it we had a warning all week long felt like not not just for the spring game, but also for the Frank Thomas statue dedication and the pivotal series. They were able to get a series done against Texas A&M, uh, but unfortunately it just didn't, uh, you know, it was it was not able to be as ceremonial as Auburn wanted. And I think that the strategy for the football team, let, let's, you know, ignoring the, the crowd size and the, uh, you know, and the fan aspect of it, I think on the field, they probably couldn't get as much out of this practice and this spring game as they wanted to because the weather necessitated an approach where I think they wanted to get it done as quickly as possible, and I think they mm-hmm. they probably wanted to throw the ball down the field as little as possible because the quarterbacks 
weren't going to look all that sharp in, in this weather. There was the possibility of guys getting hurt. I don't know if you noticed this. I went back and – so I, I watched the game in the stands like Joe Sixpack. I, I, was, I was there in the in, – in Voice the of the people. Court. That's right. You know, blue collar – Blue collar Dan Peck was was out there, you know, with with the uh, with, with 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 the regular folk, with the unwashed masses, and 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 then I went home and I I watched the the replay of it and, and paid as as close attention as I could, at least to the the, the game aspects of the replay on, on ESPN Network. I didn't notice it live, but on the two point conversion that set up the the the, the game winning field or the game tying field goal there at the end, I mean Holden Gurner almost takes a spill. Yeah. Cutting, cutting up the field, and and I just think the more the more you throw the ball, or the more you you call upon guys to to make those kind of cuts. And I understand I just cited a running play, but the the more you do that, the, the more you open up the possibility of injury. So I understand the coaching staff being as conservative as possible with what you do on the field when the weather is like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Hugh Freeze was asked after the game about the weather in general, like how much that changed for him, and he said. You know, uh, we met offensively yesterday and really said, man, let's see who can throw this thing, who can catch it, and who can get open. So that was really the only change because that was probably not the most feasible thing to do today. And it's like, yeah, they wanted to come in. You got a three-wide quarterback competition. You're looking for some separation out of your wide receivers. And you can't really do that in a game like this because, I mean, the weather was really, really bad. And I don't know how it came across on on, on streaming, on the, on the, on the TV uh, broadcast, uh, but, like, on – on the field and just from where we were sitting, I mean, there were times where it was just raining so hard. Um, that it was just going to be hard for anybody to do much of anything. This is a game where Auburn ran the ball 51 times in it. If you go ahead and look, um, I think it's like 40, 40 uh, of those were running back carries. So, like, this was a game where they really toted the rock with those guys. Only 12 pass attempts, only a couple sacks. They had a few scrambles in there. So, really, really run heavy. Um, and you would have wanted more, I think, if you were if you were Auburn. You would have wanted to see Robbie Ashford or T.J. Finley or Holden Garner be able to make some plays and, and kind of throw it around a little bit. Garner, uh, three of fifteen, or sorry, three fifteen, three of five for seventeen uh, passing yards. T.J. Finley, one of four for four. Robbie Ashford, one of three for thirty nine. Uh, Dan, I I thought in particular. You know, Robbie Ashford wins 8A MVP on the offensive side for the second straight year. No surprise there. He had a touchdown run. Uh, he'd had the biggest play of the day on the throw from down the seam, which I thought was a really good ball, especially in the elements, to uh, Chick Dawson. Um, but I, I did think, if you go back and look, it was a pretty good day for Robbie, all things considered. He ran the ball well. Um, the two incompletions he had, one of them batted down to the line of scrimmage by a blitzing linebacker, or I'm sorry, blitzing DB that nobody picked up. And then the other one, um, you know, Kay and Lee makes a great play to swat it out of the air uh, and keep Landon King from getting a, a fade touchdown right after that big throw downfield. So, you know, it, it, I don't know how much you can really take from the passing game in this scrimmage, but you have to come out of there looking like, hey, Robbie Ashford, uh, you know, made your better plays and looked like the better quarterback today. Uh, and, and we'll see if that, if that carries over moving forward because um, – I do think that it was very telling that he was the first team guy pretty much the whole whole scrimmage. Robbie was decisive. He seemed comfortable. The athleticism is still electric, and it seems like he can make big plays with his feet. I thought the best throw anybody made was the completion to Chick Dawson uh, down. You know the, the downfield pass 
uh, to to Dawson, who's another guy who um, amid this group of wide receivers from the returnees from last year's team, you know, you're waiting to see if anybody can make that jump forward, like you know, good buddy of y'all's Ryan Davis did. You know, from the 2016 yeah. season to the 2017 season, you know, can can a receiver suddenly separate himself from everyone else? And you know, I, I would I would lean towards. Uh, Javaris as as the guy who would who would make that step of all the returning receivers from last year, but I think Chick Dawson has the skill set to do so too. Yeah, you don't want to take you, you don't want to make a, a too much of a big deal about how the quarterbacks played, but of the three, I thought Robbie Ashford made the most compelling argument. Granted, you know, there's all the different factors that we talked about, but I would still think that Robbie made a really compelling argument that if you're gonna if you're going to pick one of these guys to be the team's starting quarterback, you know he's he's got the he's got the strongest case at the moment. Yeah, and also good for Chick Dawson. He had a drop early in the game, and then turns around and makes that big play down the seam. So good for him to kind of turn that around. He's just one of those guys. There's so much potential with him. He's he's been talked about for a while. He's had some injuries. It's just can he kind of turn it loose and, and be uh, a very consistent player? Also saw Landon King uh, get a get a catch. You know, late on where he. Um, you know, uh, good catch and run, uh, you know, on, on a play there down the stretch of the game. That was where Garner's passing yards came from. Uh, T.J. Finley, just a rough day for him overall. One of four for four yards. Um, you know, had had a good couple. I think he had one good scramble that, that moved the chains. Uh, but, you know, it'll just be very interesting to see what he does moving forward because he's a guy that, you know, left the team last season. He did talk about coming back and wanting to compete and wanting to be here. Uh, but, you know, obviously uh, transfer portal is opening back up here next week. And speaking of the transfer portal opening up next week, uh, Hugh Freeze saying after – just asked point blank after after uh, the, the scrimmage on Saturday, hey, are you going to go get a transfer quarterback uh, in the portal? And his answer was, quote, I think the transfer portal opens soon. It's next week. Uh, it was supposed to be in May, and NCAA rules just moved it back to the 15th. Um, so that's that's happening pretty pretty soon. That was a quick fire change uh, to the my, to the schedule. My guess on the portal moving from May first to May fifteenth to April fifteenth to April thirtieth. We talked about that on the drive a little bit this week. My my guess would be that they wanted the portal closed before spring semester ends at most mm-hmm. places. They, they you know rather than just opening it. And and I guess there's also the consideration of finals are going on at some places May 1st to May 15th. So you would have the portal open while, you know, you would have finals going on for some of these student-athletes while the transfer portal is open. I think an earlier, I mean, it's it's all the same at 15 days anyway. I think having it after most spring practices are done, April 15th to April 30th, or at least, you know, that, that window allows, I think it, it still allows most players to leave uh, if, if they don't like where they sit on the depth chart right now or uh, they want to leave for any other reason. Freeze's quote says, I think the transfer portal opens soon and we are open to any position that will help us improve our team as long as they fit within the culture. That includes the quarterback room. He talks about competition being helpful. Uh, he goes on and says this, and so we're open. Do I think we can win some games with what we have? Yes, I do. But, you know, I don't want to ever be put in a box where I say something and I do the opposite. So I don't know the answer. I don't know if we are. I know that I would be open to it. Painter, what are we thinking? I mean, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. You know, Robbie, it's weird because I don't think you can see the full scope of what Robbie can do in 
scrimmages or in practices because you whistle the play dead so quick. Um, his touchdown, he was untouched. Nobody was going to come near him um, with the way they, they ran that play. But, I mean, this is about to move here pretty quickly. If Auburn's going to get another quarterback, we'll know within the next three weeks or so. Uh what I mean, just kind of where where's your head head at right now when it comes to this quarterback battle and this competition? Because it's so weird. We don't know who's going to be in the portal, and we know what Auburn has, and it's just like you know, no one knows for sure what's going to happen all the way around, and and it's it's a weird spot to be in for sure. I think the answer was the right one. We're open to it, you know, wanting to if you can feasibly get better and think that there's a clear cut answer. I don't, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't exercise all possible options. It it makes sense. It it definitely makes sense. I just, I I do wonder what type of players are going to be available in the portal here in, in this next window. Um, You know, we know also that Auburn, you know, Dan, we've been talking about this uh, from time to time, but like we know that, Auburn was kind of selective with the first window and that like, Hey, Grayson McCall would be awesome. And then, Oh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the kid from NC state who I'm blanking on right now. Um, I almost said Ryan, uh, Ryan Finley. It's, it's the other guy. Um, who's the NC state Devin Leary. Devin Leary. Thank you. Thank you. Ends up going to Kentucky. And then like they're linked to some other guys who end up going elsewhere. Spencer Sanders being one, Brian Armstrong, Another, but they never really brought any of those guys on campus and, and, and pushed it. What do you think is kind of going to be the approach for Auburn? What do you think Auburn's approach should be in the portal window when it comes to the quarterback position? Um, do Can they afford to be selective again, or do you think this is going to be a situation where they're going to want competition wherever they can get it? I think some of that is going to depend on what kind of quarterbacks make themselves available in the portal. It's also worth pointing out uh, that – there's also, I guess, a separate graduate transfer portal window in the sense that anybody who graduates in the spring semester could then, they would have all summer to decide if they want to go play somewhere else. So somebody who is a, is a uh, you know, someone who's gotten their undergraduate degree after three or four years and then wants to change schools, the two-week window in April doesn't apply to them. So you could see even more movement later in the summer And all they would miss is everything leading up to fall camp. But if you're talking about somebody who's played four or five years of college football already, how much are they, you know, could they, could they be sort of a plug and play addition to a team? So, you know, I I don't know if there's, and this is a credit to the work Hugh Freeze and his coaching staff have already done. I don't know if there's a position you're looking at right now and saying, oh, it's urgent that Auburn go out and get someone to join the fray. I think there are a couple of spots where Auburn would like to add a starting caliber player, right? If Auburn could get a guard or a receiver or a quarterback that would represent something of an upgrade over everything else they've got right now, I think there'd think, be a market for it. I think edge it. rusher. I think edge, edge rusher is edge also rusher would, would be in that list. And, and maybe Auburn would take – an upgrade just about anywhere. It's just I think there are there are other positions where where they, you know, it feels like they really like their hand right now. I'd be surprised. Well, I don't know. In the secondary, you've got six guys who played last year, and you've added Kay and Lee to that group. So you you wonder how important is it for Auburn to go add another defensive back 
they've worked to add defensive linemen already, but I don't know. I don't know if there's, you know, I don't know if there's anything they need to go get urgently, right? I mean, I think they could they could see what they have at almost every position, and that wasn't the case when the season ended. Like there were positions yeah, that needed yeah. to be addressed urgently. Now, it's almost a matter of if if you go out there and you get lucky, then you know, t- take what you can get. But otherwise, I mean, you, you, can, you can feel good about a lot of different spots because of the work they've already done. So the quarterback situation is going to be ongoing. I think wide receiver is as well. This team, with the amount of change you can tell, and, and, and they play with a lot of pace on, on, on Saturday. I think that was a big thing. You could see them trying to really push it. It's very different than what we've seen the last few years from Auburn in terms of the spread and, and kind of what they're doing through the air. You didn't get to see much of it on Saturday because of the rain, but also as we talked about, it's just going to come with reps. So you didn't get a whole lot in terms of your passing game, except for hey, Robbie Ashford made a really good play downfield. You had some, you know, you have to get better at the RPO game. There were some misreads there. That's kind of what you have. On the flip side, the def- uh, I'm sorry, the the running game for Auburn in this one. Um, everybody who touched the ball in a running back capacity for Auburn had at least one explosive run. Um, Damari Austin averaged nearly nine yards a carry. Brian Batty got loose a couple of times. Um, you saw uh, Sean Jackson and Justin Jones, um, you know, a, a former walk-on and a current walk-on, kind of pound away between the tackles and make some plays. And then Jarquez Hunter, you know, give him a handful of carries to begin the game and then put him in bubble wrap because you know that you you don't want him to get hit too much and that's something that Freeze has been talking about th- through you know out the the um the off season. Dan, I think twofold what we learned about this team on offense the most here from not only spring practice but in this 8 day game in general is number 1 this team's going to be able to run the football. They have a lot you know, tied up in the depth and the experience and and the explosiveness they have in that back position, even without Tank Bigsby, you bring in uh, Jeremiah Cobb in the summer. But two, and probably most importantly, this Auburn offensive line is they've they've definitely taken a step forward um, because the the group we saw on Saturday. Look, Auburn could run the ball pretty effectively last year, but how many times did we have to see Tank Bigsby? break tackles behind the line of scrimmage or guys get wrapped up and, and like there were holes and there were there were things that were getting developed um out there from that offensive line and look it's it's not rocket science the team that went and got three fbs transfers that were all rated four stars by 247 on the offensive line and plugged them in looks like they're going to be a better unit than what they were the last few years looking at the running backs i was i was really impressed with you know, Sean Jackson's just a raining rainy day back, right? Like he's just when it's cold yeah. and it's rainy, like that's you, you you get that guy out of the garage and you let teams try to tackle him because yeah, he, he that doesn't his, seem like fun at all. Yeah, he was in his element, right? It was it was Alstadian the way he was, you know, doing that sort of power football. Uh, and as for Jarquez Hunter, the the fact that Hugh Freeze pulled him as early as he did, you know, when, when a when a coach has something special at running back. You don't, you don't waste him on exhibition football. And, and I think about when, when John Gruden was the coach of the Senior Bowl back in 2005, and he was, he was the coach of the team that had Cadillac Williams as one of, the, one of the players on it. And I think Cadillac maybe played 
two or three plays in that senior bowl and then got yanked right off the field. Because when you know what you have, you know, why, why, why risk it in an exhibition game? And I think Hugh Freeze realizes what he maybe has in Jarquez Hunter, a guy who is just everything you would want in an SEC running back in 2023. And then there's options like Damari Alston and Brian Battee and Jeremiah Cobb that you can use to complement Jarquez Hunter. But, I mean, it's Jarquez Hunter, if he can stay healthy, looks like he could have a really special season in his one year or his first year. Don't want to assume anything. But in his first year as Auburn's lead tailback. We've talked about it before. If you look at what the SEC lost statistically and what they bring back, there is a good case to be made that when we're here in a few months talking about SEC media days in Nashville, Jarquez Hunter is going to get some first-team love, I think. He might not be the first-team guy or a first-team guy when it's all said and done because of the vote, but statistically there's a lot to love about his numbers. And, yeah, I mean, it, the, the way they handled him on Saturday at 8A was like, yep, they know what they've got. Uh, for sure. And I do think that offensive line, they're gelling well. They're pushing together. Hey, shout out uh, you know, Connor Liu getting the start there uh, at left guard. This is a dude who's been splitting time at center and left guard. Now, Tate Johnson did not play on Saturday, which you know he, he came back from that elbow injury in the middle of spring. But he's getting those looks there. You got Cam Stutz getting those looks there. Obviously, Jeremiah Wright's a guy that they really, really like. And as you said earlier, Dan, like guard is a spot that they could upgrade in the portal for every positive in a spring game. And I think this is part of why a guy like you freeze might be saying, Hey, let's play another team in this. Uh, that would be a whole lot better is that anything that you do really, really well, you can look to the other side of the ball and be like, Oh, what the heck guys? Like what, what's going on there? And Painter, like, I know we've talked about this in the past where it's just like, it's hard to kind of make these big takeaways from scrimmages and stuff like that because you don't want to be like, oh, and everything, you know, you don't want to go too hard about like the offensive line or the running game was so excellent because on the flip side, run defense, not as great. Something that Hugh talked about after, after the, um, the, the, the game on, on Saturday, like got to get better at that. And we know the linebackers, inside linebackers have been talked about taking a step forward. You brought some more beef into that defensive line, but Auburn ranked in the hundreds last season in, in run defense last year, and so this is an area that's gonna it's gonna take a lot for them to make that turnaround. Auburn's running back, running game might be super good, but like you know, it's kind of always whenever you have somebody go off in a in a spring game or a scrimmage, you have to sit here and say, well, what, what about the other side? And that that just makes it tough for everybody. One of the things that is going to is going to impact how Auburn's run defense improves is how many players they can get contributing because one of the thing you know one one of the aspects that was troubling during the end of the Brian Harson era is there were there were games Georgia Ole Miss Arkansas where you would look at the snap counts and three defensive linemen played the entire game or four defensive linemen played the entire game and that's not sustainable because you ask that you ask defensive linemen to do that for four quarters and it's, it's easy to explain why your defense isn't as good in the second half as they were in the first half or why they weren't as good in the, fir- in the fourth quarter as they were in the first quarter. And that's, and that's independent of, well, is your, is your offense sustaining drives? Is it, is it third and long all the time? Like There's other, other things that can, that can matter too. And I think if Auburn, if Auburn can have six or eight defensive linemen they feel good about, that alone 
could help the chances of the run defense because you're not asking two or three players to carry the entire load at their various positions. And so, I mean, yes, part of it's going to depend on what kind of season does Marcus Harris have and how effective can he be? Can Jason Jones grow on, on the – not physically. He doesn't need to grow physically what, whatsoever. Can he, <laughs> I don't know if he has any room for that. That's, I don't know if the planet has, has any room for, for Jason Jones to, <laughs> to grow offensively, but, but the, the supply chain would, would struggle with the, the But can, can other players take that step forward? Can some of the guys Auburn is – I mean, Marcus Thomas has the profile of – I, I like to look at, and we'll talk about this. We talk about basketball too. I like to look at what other schools are recruiting transfers, right? And and everybody wanted Thomas, or like that. That's a guy who I mean, there, there are there are different players, who? or not uh, the Kentucky transfer, not not Marcus, oh Justin Rogers, Justin Rogers, not Marcus Thomas. That's a, that's a different person entirely. <laughs> um, just, I'm doing this without the depth chart in front of me, without the Bill Cameron depth chart right in front of me. Yeah, we need uh, the Bill Cameron depth chart. J- Justin Rogers, the Kentucky transfer was, I mean, he was sought after by so many different programs, including Alabama, who wanted him to help on their defensive line, and, and they've done they've done okay. These, these these last couple of years, so you'd think, all right, well, that, that that alone is a good sign. So I, I think there's reason to believe that Auburn can take a big step forward defensively from what they were last year, even losing players like Colby Wooden and Owen Papo to and Derek and Derek Hall to, to the NFL. Like it's it's going to be a you know, it's it's going to it's going to depend on returnees taking a step forward and some transfers being what what they seem like they could be, but. There are, you know, there's, there's some, there, there's reason to believe. Dan, what did you think about the children who were out there uh, on, on on Saturday? And by children, I mean we, Connor Lou, Kay and Lee, and uh, Keldrick Falk. I, all three of those guys, they all got shouted out after after the game by Hugh Freeze. All three of those guys are going to be in the mix. That's a, they're two deep guys, potentially starters uh, for at least for the case of um, you know Lou and and Falk. It'd be tough for Lee to get a starting job this year, but I mean, third cornerback in the SEC, like you could, you can end up being a, uh, you know, playing a ton of football uh, for, for that. But I, I was really impressed with all those guys because that's another area, like you were talking about earlier. In December, you didn't have any of those dudes, and you didn't know where you were going to get it from. Not, and it's not just the transfers that have given you instant impact. For the first time in a little while, we are already looking at multiple true freshmen on this Auburn football team that can give you something right away. And even if you don't want to have to rely on true freshmen every single year, the fact that you've gotten guys who can do that, I think says a lot about the way this roster has just kind of been overhauled in the last four months or so. Yeah, Connor Liu is having a really promising start to his Auburn career. And even if he doesn't see the field very often in 2023, it feels like the trajectory is there where he could be one of – I mean, he could be the the starting center as early as next year, depending on what what else happens. And, and and I guess he could be on the field a lot this year. He could go into the season one injury away at a couple of different positions from being a serious contributor. Uh, but no, I, I would think that between Connor Liu, uh, you mentioned Keldrick Falk, who just it seems like check his papers when it comes to him being a true freshman, because I'm you know I'm I'm suspicious as to as to whether or not that's really. An 18-year-old. You've got uh, uh, Kyan Lee, who had the pass breakup on Landon King, who's considerably bigger than Kyan Lee. Is an impressive play there yes. for for Kyan to get in. And another true freshman I would throw out there, Wilkie Denod, was on the field quite a bit 
uh, towards the end of the game. I know he was in there on, on a, a lot of the Sean Jackson runs uh, in the uh, in the final quarter of a day, and, and I would think Wilkie Denaud's another player who you know maybe not in twenty twenty three, but that's somebody who could be uh, who could be. I mean, he's he's an injury away from being thrust oh, yeah. into action a lot in twenty twenty three. But even if if it's not this season, that's somebody who could have a role in the depth chart very soon. Uh, Steven Johnson, uh, the the new big man, like the the future nose tackle uh, for Auburn, I think. Um, you know, at, at his size, he got a tackle late. Uh, Brent Williams played uh, there at a decent amount. Uh, you saw, um, you know, Braden Joyner, Auburn High, uh, playing on the offensive line and, and and being in the mix with that group. So I mean, it's just just that that group I think has got a lot of potential. Then you bring in somebody like Jeremiah Cobb who. I think has the talent to right away give you something in the bedroom. Now, I think a guy like Damari Austin is going to make it really tough for him to get a lot of touches. And, of course, Brian Batty being that kind of special case. Man, Batty, I mean, he had a couple of plays where, you know, he's not going to break a ton of tackles, and he got hit in the backfield a couple times, some swings and stuff like that. But, Dan, like, dude's got some jets. And on a, and on a day where it's hard to keep your footing, he was – he was – it was about as slippery as you could be. I was I was impressed with what little we saw out of Batty because it, it's just a different dynamic. It's just a different – like Austin and Jackson and those guys can do a lot of the same stuff that, you know, uh, Jarquez Hunter can. Batty is just a whole whole different game. And I do think, much like Rivaldo Fairweather, he's one of those guys where I think can help out the fact that you might not be super, super secure at wide receiver this year because he can maybe do some stuff that you would normally do with a receiver, or you might, you know, find a way to kind of uh, hit the perimeter uh, with them. And we, we haven't mentioned Philly Gunn yet. Phil, Phil Montgomery, the, uh, the the new offensive coordinator, former Tulsa head coach, former offensive coordinator at Baylor uh, when uh, they had RG three among other players that that run of success. He had RG, was he. Was he there for the RG three Heisman season? He might have gotten there yes. a year. He, he was there yes. for the, yeah, for the he was RG. There for that. He was there for the RG three, and and that was a spread offense that had a lot of success with undersized tailbacks because you're very rarely asking them to break tackles at the line of scrimmage. It, it's it's more spread out. It's it's more you're you're asking them to go outside. You're asking them to uh, to, to to win races against linebackers and defensive backs. You know, to the sideline, things like that. Another offense that had a lot of success with a, a running game that involved undersized running backs who could do that was back when Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen were at Florida. Tim Tebow always had these running backs next to him that were undersized track stars, right? Chris Rainey and, and Brandon James and, and these guys who, Will Demps, you know, these the small, under, under 180 pounds, but lightning quick, and if a defense made a mistake and they got the ball, they, they could that they could run untouched to the end zone. I think Petit brings a little bit of that to the Auburn offense. I don't know how often he's going to get the ball, but he's much more useful in an offense like this than he would be if you, if you had two, two tight ends and a fullback on the field at all times. And you were trying to get Brian Petit to sort of make moves in an offense like that. I think opening the field up and seeing if Brian Petit can, uh, can just sort of, you know, beat everybody to the end zone is an approach that Auburn could take at least a couple of times a game. Also, the tight ends had a really good day. They didn't catch the ball, and they weren't really targeted very often, um, but it's just the downhill blocking, I thought they did a really good job of that. I do think you're going to get more about out of Rivaldo Fairweather moving forward just because you may want to pass it a little bit more the next time around. 
uh, the weather should cooperate for that. Cameron Brown, I should also mention, didn't play on Saturday. He's had an ankle injury that he's been dealing with. Better safe than sorry uh, there with him. He, he could be such a key player for you uh, this year. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that, that is a, you know, that is a wide receiver. That's an offense. It's just there's a lot of versatility, not a lot of experience, not a lot of things that are established yet. But I do like the way that they're going to be able to kind of mix and match. And I think with Freeze and Montgomery, two guys that are very well thought of as as offensive strategists, they're going to be able to find the things that work and kind of hammer at them at, at, at pace this year and do some of the underdog stuff that you're going to have to at this point because where you are as a program and a talent base – you can't really say, you know, you're there yet with Georgia or Alabama or anything like that. You're it's a build, it's a rebuild, and you're trying to kind of push uh forward there. All right. I'm gonna ask both of you the same question here as we wrap up our, our A Day talk. Painter, we want I want you to go first. So Auburn, late in the game, three point game, final seconds, they call timeout. There's a discussion on the headset between Freeze and Roberts and Montgomery, and they say, hey, guys, you want to go – you want to try to play for the win here? You know, we'll want to go one more play or draw it up and let's go for the tie, get that, get the field goal in the rain and, and make everybody happy. You're on the headset in this situation, Painter. Where are we going? Are you are you okay with the fact that they tied or are you saying, you know what, we need a winner and a loser? I think the more fun option is to have a winner and a loser. If you're a fan, I think you might have even wanted a winner or a loser. Uh, if I was in the coach's shoes, a tie actually probably is kind of nice. Dan? So I would – and I would encourage Justin – I would encourage the both of you to, to watch the TV broadcast of the game because Hugh Freeze is on the microphone for a big chunk of the second quarter talking about a couple of different things. And he might have shared a lot of this in the postgame anyway. But but early in the, in, in the game, he said – you know, he wouldn't mind a game tie or a field goal attempt at the end to tie the game. He wouldn't mind if there was something set up like that. And then it ended up coming to fruition. I guess my my question is, do they have enough stake for everybody? Or if this is a situation where because the winners were going to get stake and the losers were going to get hot dogs, do we do we need a winner? and a loser, and if so, should they have maybe run, I don't know, one two-point conversion play for the steaks and the hot dogs or something like that at the very end, or, or, or can, you, can you get everybody? I'm, but, but it's I, I'm fine with it being 24-all. I actually thought the new format was pretty cool as far as giving the defense a set number of points and, and making the offense work to tie felt, or better it felt more competitive and more there it felt like there was a little bit more juice in it even though running clock trying to get out out of there without any injuries i, I did think there you know if if it was the normal format and the rain was like that it, it, it would have been a dreadful watch i think justin ferguson and i find ourselves often talking about what what stipulations involve overtime and which ones don't involve overtime i don't think we needed overtime to settle this uh this this particular game today i think it was fine but you know if they if they needed to run one more play because there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser you know i, I think there would have been some drama involved in that too and it could have been fun but not in that weather you know what i mean let's just let's just celebrate that it was injury free and 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 we were able to uh, uh to uh, to put on a good show and i think it was justin lee 
who put this out there on social media, and, and I want to echo it because Justin's usually right about these sort of things. Shout out to everybody who helped put A Day on today, right? Oh, yeah. and that, that's the, that's the, the band and the support staff and Aubby and you know every, everyone in the, in the press box, as far Aubie as I know. Dressed. Yes, Aubie was dressed like the Easter Bunny at one point. I mean, yeah. So just top top notch production quality all around. Five bags of popcorn, uh, and it's uh, uh, yeah, no, just I mean, so so yeah. Shout out to shout out to everybody who helped make that thing special for the uh, for the folks who did go, and uh, and and yeah, shout out to the folks who who braved the the weather to go cheer on the team too. Man, that's that, that's some that's some loyalty right there, and also uh, shout out to those who you who. Bought eight day tickets early because you probably were counted in the attendance uh, that would that looked quite higher than the number the the, the announced attendance looked a lot higher than what was actually in the stands. Uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that um, the announced attendance was sixteen thousand three hundred seventy four. Dan, you were you were rubbing elbows mm. with the with uh, with the with with the blue collar workers of, of this this country. Uh, there weren't sixteen thousand people out there, and it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's that number seems. I mean, unless unless there are ten thousand people working behind the scenes at Jordan Hare Stadium, <laughs> uh, that number seems a little bit inflated to me. I'm not sure, uh, but I'm you know that's predicting predicting uh, crowds has never been my strong suit. <laughs> it's pretty pretty tough tough way to go about it for sure. Uh, but you know, this is. Uh, uh, I think there was a I think a Plainsman rider won the uh, Bill Beckwith. Uh, uh, crowd estimate award you know it's always a game they play in the in the press box um where you put your official uh prediction down and and if you win i don't know if you know this if you win you are in the auburn record books for life like they they put this in their media guide every year uh, as kind of a, as part of their spring awards so dan uh bill cameron is a former uh winner uh, and, and bill cameron is in the auburn media uh, you know, media guides for for from now to the end of time. Um, so, I mean, I've never come close. I didn't even try this year. I was I was so bad off at it. Uh, but I think you know, it's, it's like it's, I think it's like the Masters where you're invited to a day forever, right? There's yes. always you're, you're anyone <laughs> you who get wins to be that. the Sandy Lyle of of, <laughs> of a day forever. Just That's going right. out there. And, you get you get yeah. to go as long as as long as you can. You get to go. Uh, you get to go rub. You know, get to you get admission into the press box even long after you've lost your credentials. To, to be in the uh, in the in the press box, but no, that's uh, that's yeah, that, that's that's one of the one of one of the highlights, and we we knew the number was going to be, it it wasn't going to be an over. It, this was not going to look like a, a full stadium today, and and it's a shame because, but with everything going on this weekend or everything that was slated to go on in Auburn this weekend, I think it would have been a, a a pretty a pretty significant crowd if if we had been expected to have good weather in Auburn today but it's just you know you can you can plan a great picnic but that's you know that's it's just not it doesn't always work out so uh, it's uh it, it's you know alas you know we'll we'll see what they we'll, we'll see what they do from here so that's it for our 8A recap appreciate uh, appreciate Dan for for braving the elements to be with the people and uh yeah Painter and I getting to Get to watch comfortably and and and, and safely uh, from from the comforts of the indoors. Uh, that that was that was pretty strong. Uh, but we will have more obviously off. I mean, we are now in the thick of it. Spring ball's over. Portal will be picking up here 
um, in the, in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to have, you know, four months basically until maybe a little less than that until we get to practices again. Um, so a lot of football talk coming, obviously over the next few months. So hope you can stick around with us for that. We'll talk some basketball here. Can I, can I shortly. ask one, one more, yeah, one, go more ahead. one more football question before we move on? Cause I wanted to, I wanted to get to it, but we, we drifted into a different subject. You mentioned the strength of the tight end room, uh, Justin, mm-hmm. and I think you're absolutely right. I wonder if they can keep that room intact with all that talent and especially all that good point all that veteran talent over the next few months and I don't want to start a rumor because I haven't heard about anyone thinking about leaving but you think about adding Rivaldo to a room that already has Luke Deal and Tyler Fromm and Brandon Frazier and Micah Riley Ducker can can all I mean and and maybe there's a way to 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 you know to distribute the playing time enough to keep everyone happy and involved but I would wonder if if all four of those guys behind, presumably behind Rivaldo, if all four of them want to stick around, or if any of them are tempted to try their luck somewhere else, because it's yeah. gonna, it's, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a crowded room. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a, that is a great point for sure, uh, because that is a room that's got a lot of depth, and you know you can play some tight ends, but you're not going to you know run three or four out of out there at the same time. So that's going to be a be an interesting case there. Uh, before we move on. Let's uh, let's take care of some business here real quick. Um, number one, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast and want more of it, you want more Dan Peck because he's going to be on these moving forward. Uh, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. You also get all of the newsletters. So we're about to talk here shortly about Denver Jones. I'm going to have a breakdown of Denver Jones up on Monday. That's going to be our Monday newsletter. So if you want to find out more about him, um, sign up to the Observer. Like I said, today is your last day. Sunday, Easter Sunday is the last day you can get the deal uh, for uh, $40 for a full year. So sign up there and uh, get that. You get everything we do emailed to your inbox, all of our podcasts, all of our newsletters. Painter, I assume friends of the program will be back in the near future. Um, you know, the people have been, the people have been asking for, I even got a mailbag question about it this week and uh, wanted to kind of uh, pivot that over to you guys. But Dave, Pablo and the gang will be back soon as well. You get all of that with an observer subscription and now you get Dan Pack, which I mean, come on, that's that's what you want in life. There's another way you can help us out for no money, whether you're a subscriber to the observer or not. Painter, tell them about it. Rate review, subscribe, leave us a line or two in the reviews. Very quick, follow, subscribe, download the show. That helps us tremendously. We do appreciate it. Yeah, and so we've got a new review to read. We read these reviews because, A, we're vain, and, B, we like to shout you guys out. This is from, uh, I want to say, Raging Scandian one I think is the username. Uh says, best Auburn podcast out there. Really fun and informative podcast for all things Auburn. They also really like Waffle House. That's correct. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Dan, we, j- we had an episode recently where we were talking about uh, Waffle House orders, and then we talked about it on, on Twitter as well. I need your Waffle House order. What's 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 the what's the go to Dampex Dampex late night? You know he's he's about to slam slam some stuff down at Waffle House. Where is he going? All right, I'm I'm getting I'm getting an all star breakfast, which I think is is the correct answer in these situations yes. for the most part. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Getting, and then what I like to do, and this usually gets a laugh if people want to steal it at their Waffle House. I usually tell the person taking my order they can ask the questions in whatever order they want to ask them because there are a lot of questions. When you say you'd like a, an all-star breakfast, so I let them, you know, interview Change me, sort of. Yeah. So uh, I usually get the eggs over medium. 
which is okay. not a it's not the easiest way to cook eggs by the way it's an over, over medium is a uh, is a test of of the uh, of the, the 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 skill of the cook behind the uh, counter there at the waffle house i'm going to do a uh the what so it's texas toast instead of regular toast i think is my move you can get one slice of texas toast instead of two slices of regular toast now you guys get the biscuit as, as, from from what I understand, but I'm I'm a Texas toast man in that All regard. Right. Uh, we're doing bacon. We're doing a double hash brown with uh, cheese and with onion and maybe with mushroom, depending on how Ooh. I'm feeling. Maybe with ham, depending on how I'm feeling. Uh, but but it, you know probably one or the one or the other. And I used to be a regular waffle guy. I go pecans in the yes, waffle. Yes, the pecan, sir. the pecan waffle, I think is, uh, and that's uh, the Anthony Bourdain YouTube video is is what turned me on uh, to uh, to going from regular <laughs> regular waffle to pecan waffle. But but yeah, I'll start breakfast with uh, with a couple of modifications to it. Uh, but it's no, I'm 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 pro Waffle House all the way. I mean, I'm I, I think I sent last time I was in Phoenix, Arizona, I sent Justin Ferguson a note excitedly. Because I was in a corner of Phoenix that has a Waffle House yeah. in it, yeah. and that's as that's about as far west as that company goes, I think. Because I don't know how many of them are in California, uh, but you can uh, say what you will about Phoenix and the and the owners of the sports teams out there. Uh, they've got a they've got In and Out, they've got Whataburger, and they've got Waffle House, and that is a it's a solid trio for a big city to uh, to, to be able to offer all three of those. I have to ask, Dan, the New York Post recently published a story, and the headline reads like an onion or defector headline might. It says, we created a giant baked bean. People want to try it immediately. How do you feel about the giant baked bean concept? You know, I'm I'm not in general a baked bean guy. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm not a snob when it comes to canned food. I will, you know, I'll, I'll eat... I'll eat things out of a can, but baked beans have never really been uh, my preferred barbecue side. You know, I'll go with some other stuff instead there if, if we're if we're getting stuff at the uh, at, at the barbecue. I had a I had a neighbor growing up whose favorite candy was Boston baked beans. Are you guys you guys know yeah, about yeah, yeah. you guys know yeah, about yeah. Bo- I've seen them pa- before? Painter, are you familiar with Boston baked beans? They're like a it's all they're almost like a red hot like it's a, it's a hard. Very spicy, very cinnamony, very smoky candy, and I I think about those when people talk about baked bean too. Because I had a neighbor who just loved Boston baked beans, and I, I think I, they're a, a, a <laughs> truly a vile candy. I I, I I think the only times I've ever seen them are like in the candy section at a Cracker Barrel, which we are also pro Cracker Barrel on this on this program. But yeah, like I've I've never been like I need to try that. So now that now that you I have the stamp of disapproval from Dan Peck, I don't I don't think I'm gonna need it. Yeah, I don't want to sidetrack this too much, but I could do a solid half hour about like the the the, the worst candies that they because like the the Necco wafers, right? And the diff, like the, I mean, there's some there's some stuff that the no- dot the dot candies that are on like the sheet. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Are, yeah, where where are you guys on licorice? Like, are you a, are you a black no. are you a black licorice? Uh, no, my, black jelly bean. My brother, my brother Tyler is a huge black licorice fan. I think he got all that gene from for for our family. I, I can't stand it. I can't really remember the last time I had it. In the mm. first grade, we had a teacher who had like a a bean dispenser if you got the licorice one since a lot of people didn't like it you could get a prize that's really all i can remember about licorice 
it's it's never been my thing uh, per- personally, but uh, that's uh, uh, you know that's that's it, it's yeah it's it's not 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 for me. I think would be where, where you can lump me in with the licorice. Am I making that up? There there was a licorice jelly bean. Oh yes, yeah, no is. yeah, black black jelly beans are very much a thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Dan, you said earlier that Phoenix is one of the oh, one of the farthest places west that have Waffle House, right? Here's a segue that this is going to just blow your mind. Oh, by the way, uh, well, no, we'll do the other. We'll do it at the end because um, I want to stick to the segue. Another place out west that has Waffle Houses, and I know this from my friend Maddie who lives out there, Denver, as in now new Auburn basketball tiger, Denver Jones. Let's talk about it. Auburn has a new pickup in the transfer portal their first big move into the portal is Denver Jones from Florida International. We've talked about him, I want to say a little bit. You know, we, we've mentioned him a few times here on the podcast. Want to recap everybody's, you know, every podcast is somebody's first. So here we go. Denver Jones, six foot four, originally from uh, the Huntsville area. He's from Newmarket. Played a Buckhorn, which is one an alma mater of one Nathan King. Um, and uh, played prep ball for a few seasons as well before going to junior college in Garden City, Kansas. Shout out Nick Marshall. Uh, goes to FIU for the last two seasons and has been one of the better players in a really good conference USA, as we saw this past season. 6-4, 20.1 20 Only 26 players in college basketball last season. Division One basketball averaged 20 points a game. Denver Jones is one of them. 37% three-point shooter. First-team all-conference USA. Looks like you probably have two seasons left of eligibility remaining, but we shall see about that. Uh, but a bucket getter in every sense of the word. I mean, if you just want to throw a quick little Ken Palm read for him, I'm looking at uh, you know top 140 in the country in true shooting percentage. I'm talking top 270 in effective field goal percentage, which is great for a guard wing type. Uh, he is top 150 in uh, draw uh, fouls drawn. He also doesn't commit a ton of fouls. Top 150 in that as well for 40 minutes. Top 150 in free throw shooting. Um, good marks in both two-point field goal percentage and three-point field goal percentage. And like I said, gets a lot of buckets. We were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, last season at, at, at FIU, Denver Jones had two games where he had just single-digit points. He also had, from what I'm looking at here, he also had only three games where he had 12 points um, so that means, and that means he had 15, those are the only ones that had 15 or more. I think I want to see if I can double check it. Yeah. He scored 16 or more points. Okay. In 20, uh, 21 of his 27 games last season. So this dude is an all around bucket getter. Like I said, by the t- uh, Monday, I will have a breakdown kind of more ins and outs of his game specifically at the observer doing some film and, and some stat digging on Denver Jones, but man, Auburn wanted this one really, really badly. Um, this is a guy who had Alabama in his top six. Auburn gets him on a visit. He was considered taking visits elsewhere. Auburn finds a way here at the end of this this eight-day weekend to lock him down. Uh, Dan, this is... We, I know we talked about him the other day on the drive. I mean, Denver Jones was kind of the guy that if you could sculpt a uh, you know uh, uh, a transfer that Auburn basketball needed out of a, uh, in a lab... Six four wing who can be a thirty. He's a thirty eight percent three point shooter and a twenty point a game scorer. 
even if he's coming from a mid-major level, is exactly what you would want. This is a very significant development for Auburn men's basketball because with Wendell Green leaving and and with Zepp Jasper moving on, there were minutes opening up in the backcourt, and you had the feeling that things were going to be different moving forward, possibly better, possibly worse, but things were going to be different. And now you're looking at Aiden Holloway and and Denver Jones potentially as the starting backcourt. There are other options that could mix in and and disrupt that a little bit. But no, this is a you're, you're right. This is a this is a guard that checks a lot of boxes for Auburn with his size, with his ability to score at every level, uh, with his consistency. This is someone who, and it makes sense for Denver Jones because not only will he benefit from the the exposure and potentially the financial considerations of making the jump from mid-major basketball to the SEC, uh, but he's also going to be more ready for whatever happens next after playing in this system and after moving to Auburn. And if he has a great season, uh, we've seen mid-major players go from mid-major to the SEC to professional basketball at a very high level. So it, it makes sense as a next rung on the ladder for Denver Jones. And if Auburn gets what they think they're getting, Auburn could have a, a very potent scoring option in their backcourt next year. He seems to me like a guy – people have been asking what position does he play. He's a two, potentially a three. We will see. We've talked about Trey Donaldson, who is really fired up about the news. Aiden Holloway as well. Both guys have that combo versatility. Katie Johnson, by the way, kind of scooped the, the commitment – um, so this was Saturday afternoon before the A-Day game started, uh, and KD tweets out, uh, KD had his own boom tweet. Uh, he said, uh, boom, war eagle, had, had the old uh, eagle emoji on it. And then, uh, let's see, a few minutes later, Bruce tweets out the boom and the fire emoji. So, I mean, it's like seeing the smoke coming from the, you know, c- coming from the, uh, uh, the, 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 holy, the holy city. Like, from, the po- you know, from the Pope House. Yeah, from from the from the papacy, uh, you know what's coming next. Denver Jones committed to Auburn. It's a really really good uh, spot for uh, him. Huntsville native also. Uh, I think that helped out a lot getting closer to home. He's bounced around and played a lot of basketball in a lot of different places uh, over his career. So getting to be you know in state again, I think is going to be huge for him. But man, is this a big win or what for Auburn? Just look at the teams they went up against. Like LSU was after him pretty hard. Alabama really wanted him as well, and and yet Auburn was the one to be able to kind of take it from him. He just gives you what you needed. Just that three level scoring, but the length, the extra length in the in the backcourt. He uh, was a guy. I don't know if I said it just a moment ago, but this is a guy who you know three percent steal percentage last season at FIU. That's that's top two hundred in the country. Um, in case you don't know, there are thousands and thousands of players who play college basketball uh, in Division One each year. So I mean, that's a that's a really really good number uh, to be at. Um, and, and also, like Conference USA was just a good conference. Like this is this is not a conference that you're going to get. Um, that you know, it's not like he's going to have to make this just this gigantic leap in competition. Uh, looking at Kempom, that was a top ten conference this year in the country, but behind the the usual suspects of the Big Six. Uh, with uh, Mountain West, the AAC, and the West Coast Conference ahead of them. Uh, but, you know, 
This was one of the better conferences in college basketball last season, and uh, he delivered in those games. I think he had uh, around – I mean, his average – his scoring average against the best teams he played last season was around 20 points again. Um, so to have that kind of consistency uh, is going to be big because you don't want to have a guy that necessarily – it can go off for 30 or 35 one night and then be held in check and go silent the next game. Like I said, only two games last season he had single-digit uh, points. So just a big-time uh, recruiting win for Auburn, and this is kind of where it gets the ball rolling. Um, you know, Stretch Akinbola, uh announcing that he's entering the transfer portal. That opened up another scholarship for Auburn. Uh, they're in uh, Cario Kendo's uh, last um, – you know, last four uh, in his transfer guard. We'll see how this affects, you know, this this Jones news affects Akendo or Quincy Olivari. Uh, the big Marshall Center, they're also trans, uh, recruiting hard right now. And there's going to be a lot of movement. It's going to be a lot of movement in college basketball. And, and I don't think Auburn's anywhere close to being done in the portal. Uh, but this is a guy that you can plug in as a two or potentially a three next year right away and uh, and feel like, you're going to get a lot of value for it. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Dan, just a moment ago when you said, like, this is a this is a very, very significant pickup for Auburn. This isn't getting a five-star. This isn't getting an All-American as your transfer. Uh, but, man, it is it, it is one of the best ones you could possibly have for all the needs that Auburn has this offseason. Micah Handlogden is the Marshall freshman who has Auburn as one of the teams. He apparently is visiting Florida this weekend, so you got a lot of Florida folks who think you know they're they're in in quality position. But he had, I think he had a top eight, and four of the t- four of the eight were SEC teams, including Auburn. So it remains to be seen if Auburn will be able to go in and poach him out of the Sun Belt. Do you think we're done as far? I mean, you mentioned stretch. Do you think we're done as far as hearing from? I mean, I I, I wonder if there are other Auburn players that need to make official what they're going to do, or if we just assume in the case of a Jalen Williams or a Katie Johnson or a Alan Flanagan, we just assume that they're coming back until, until they've decided otherwise. But I guess that's the, that's the other side of this is that there, there are other shoes that could drop as far as players we expect back on this Auburn basketball team that then maybe, maybe have other plans. One of the big ones that you can point to is Alan Flanagan. And, again, you don't want to make assumptions, and we're not in the assumption-making business over here. But earlier on Saturday, before the news of Denver Jones' uh, commitment, the first reported by Justin Hoganson at On3, uh, later reported by other places on, uh, on the Auburn beat as well, um, Wes Flanagan is reported to be, reportedly on his way out at Auburn. He will now join uh, Ole Miss's staff where he will be reunited with Chris Beard, who he worked uh, with um, at Arkansas Little Rock uh, you know, earlier in his career. I find it hard to believe, just off the – again, don't want to assume anything, but I find it hard to believe that you would get a situation where Wes Flanagan leaves but Alan Flanagan comes back. Like It just seems like the timing of this could see, okay, you make that move, and again – You've got it in a case for Auburn where you get a guy like Denver Jones who can be one of your top off-ball weapons if you need him to be You know this th- this upcoming season. He's going to be a guy who starts more than likely. He's going to be a guy that gives you a lot. So Allen, is, that's the one that looks a lot more interesting now with the news of Wes Flanagan uh, moving on. And 
it's an interesting time because I think I think Wes in a situation, especially if Allen is moving on and he's his his Auburn career is over, Wes is going to get an opportunity to be, if not the lead assistant, pretty close to it at at Ole Miss. Um, and he was obviously very valuable to what Auburn did uh, under Bruce Pearl. But also in another way, it's just it's it's going to be kind of an opportunity. What like the roster, you know, when guys decide to move on and go elsewhere. Um, it's not good riddance. It's not, oh, we didn't want you anyway. But it is also the positive from it is it is an opportunity to freshen some things up and change some things around with your coaching staff. And I would imagine that is what the opportunity is at hand. If indeed uh, Wes Flanagan uh, is on to Ole Miss, like uh, is being widely reported this morning, uh, or the, uh, this morning being Saturday morning, it, it does give Auburn an opportunity not only to reinvent its roster, but reinvent what's going on at the at the front of the bench as well. Allen has a decision to make if his dad is indeed taking a job at Ole Miss, if he wants to continue playing for his father because he has another year of eligibility remaining and he could transfer. I know people are you know people are sort of hazy about the rules regarding tra- staying in the league. Basketball players right now can transfer within the conference and not worry yes. about their eligibility. There are football players who would need a waiver, I guess, right now, but it may, maybe even with a waiver, the or SEC's... Or just be a graduated. Yeah, yeah. An, an undergraduate football player who wants to stay within the league right now, I think, would not be eligible for the 2023 season based on the rules as I understand them. Uh, but a basketball player would be, if Alan Flanagan, plus he's a graduate transfer, if he if he wanted to go uh, to, uh, to Ole Miss. I've also heard uh, Johan uh, linked to... Ole Miss as well, potentially. You know, uh, Yo- Yoan Traor is, is, I think, sounds like a lot of his suitors are in the SEC, so so he could stay sense. W- within the conference. And then Chance Westry, uh, among the schools linked to him, uh, St. John's, Rick Pitino, uh, now coaching there in New York City. He's a Her- Northeastern guy. Heard something this week about Michigan being potentially interested in Chance Westry as well, as a guy originally from that Pennsylvania area not too far from uh from home for for chance um so yeah it's 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 the portal is going to be pretty wild here over the next you know couple of weeks not only in football when it ramps up again but basketball just because it is such a portal heavier sport because so much can change in the portal when you're a basketball team because you only have 13 scholarships to play with um so you can make those kind of moves so alan's got a decision you know jalen's got a decision and pretty much everybody who auburn has coming back would technically have to make a decision whether it's I'm staying or I'm going or I'm entering the draft and I and I could come back or you know do what Wendell did and say I'm entering the draft and this is probably it for me um so it's it's continuing to kind of be ongoing I do wonder what it's like Wes was one of Auburn's best recruiters obviously everybody who's on Auburn staff does a really good job of recruiting but uh you know was heavily involved with the LeBaron Phylon commitment We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, uh, while we're on that subject, LeBaron Phylon winning Mr. Basketball as a junior in the state of Alabama. He is currently committed to Auburn, once uh, 6A player of the year as well this year. Um, Dan, uh, I, I do think it's one of the wildest stats in, in all of uh, in all of Auburn basketball lore. Auburn has never signed a Mr. Basketball out of the state of Alabama, and Phylon not only could be the first, He's got a chance to go two for two, and we've seen guys go back to back over the years of that Mr. Basketball Award. But uh, yeah, uh, this uh, be very interesting if if Flanagan, you know, uh, West Flanagan's on the move, what that would look like. 
uh, because, you know, I'm sure Auburn's going to have to fight some folks off for a guy like LeBaron Fallon. Right, and, and there's – I suppose there are probably years where Mr. Basketball in Alabama didn't even end up as a Division One player, uh, but it is – it probably shows you, you know, how how long Auburn basketball struggled for relevance in this state. That usually, when Alabama's Mister Basketball was a Division One player, he wasn't going to Auburn. Like he he might be, you know, he might he might be going somewhere in the SEC, might be going somewhere in major college basketball, but it, it did it didn't happen for Auburn. And now you've got, like you said, Justin, two guys that look like very real college basketball recruits and they're electing to play at Auburn so here's the case here for Mr. Basketball uh your Mr. Basketball winners in the state of Alabama uh all time uh 18 of them went to the University of Alabama three of them went to Mississippi State two of them to NC State two to UAB and two to Vanderbilt other schools that have gotten a Mr. Basketball from Alabama that's not Auburn include Arkansas Belmont UConn Georgia Southern, Kentucky, uh, let's see, you got LSU, um, Memphis, Murray State, Providence, San Francisco, and Wyoming. All those schools have had Mr. Basketball. Those are all D1 programs, though. Those are all places, yes. you know, playing playing D1 basketball. But, but yeah, there, there have been times where, and, I, you know, maybe at times it wasn't the top priority of the Auburn coaching staff to go get – Alabama's Mr. Basketball, but there have also been times where Alabama's Mr. Basketball probably wasn't taking the phone call from from Auburn's uh, from Auburn's coaching staff because Auburn didn't just didn't have the track record as a as a championship program, and and now they do. Speaking of which, uh, somebody asked me, Frankie Sullivan, uh, probably a guy who came the closest to winning Mr. Basketball as an Auburn player. Uh, he his senior year, I believe, was two thousand nine. Uh, the two thousand nine Mr. Basketball winner, Caron Johnson who is Carry On's older brother, who is still playing professionally uh, after his career at Belmont. So it's a fun little fun little nugget there. But, yes, uh, there's a chance that Auburn could finally have one in LeBaron Fallon and a guy, again, who back-to-back is definitely in the cards, especially after the phenomenal junior season he had you know, at Baker. Um, so keep an eye on everything going on with Auburn basketball. There's going to be a lot of movement. Again, newsletter on uh, Monday about um, – Denver Jones and what he brings to the table for Auburn. You got the roster tracker if you want to keep track of everything going on with Auburn basketball here this offseason. The roster tracker is the best way to keep up with it. Uh, it's for all of our subscribers. AuburnObserver.com. Like I said, one more time, $40 will get you the full year, and that runs out on Sunday night. So you have uh, still have a little bit of time if you guys go ahead and hurry. AuburnObserver.com. All right, before we go, got two things I want to uh, I want to do, some housekeeping uh, number one, homefieldapparel.com. Shout out Homefield Apparel, the number one place to buy T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, the most comfortable stuff you're going to find anywhere at Homefield Apparel with the best Auburn uh, gear as well. You can also get the official Auburn Observer T-shirt uh, on a nice navy blue. Some of you out there got uh, Observer T-shirts this week for coming in top five in our bracket challenge. Um Here's one I want to do. I'm going to use the power of the podcast to, to reach out. Uh, Frank, Frank, you're out there. I know you're out there. I've been getting your emails. I don't think you can get my emails back. I think there's been an issue where we're not replying. So here's, a one, well, here's what I want you to do, Frank. If you're listening to this, tweet at me so I make sure it's you, uh, and then we will, we will sort it out in the DMs or something like that. But we want to make sure you get your prize as well. Uh, 
and don't they, and if you're not frank all right no shenanigans all right all you not all you not franks out there don't yes. don't think about this hey real, real quick on home field too they had some stuff at the frank thomas yeah. throwback tent uh this weekend i went to one of the auburn texas a&m games on uh i, I went to game one on thursday night saw some really cool almost bought the powder blue hat Justin, I don't know if you saw the powder this. blue hat looks really nice. The powder blue hat is very, very. There's some cool looking stuff there. Some of it from home field there. I know, I know they've got the powder blue shirt uh, in in the late '70s, early '80s Auburn uh, style, and and so yeah, that's uh, among the, the fine products there from the good folks at home field. One one thing they had there exclusively this weekend was a navy Auburn hoodie with the script Auburn script Ooh. baseball Auburn from the Frank Thomas era. Um, that was that was launched for the first time there, according to our good friends at Home Field. That will soon be available for everyone to buy online. So keep keep an eye out on that as well. Fifteen percent off your first uh, order at HomeFieldApparel.com if you use the promo code Observer when checking out. All right, that's going to do it from us. Again, Dan, we're happy to have you aboard. We're looking forward to the new era of the Auburn Observer podcast with with Dan Peck. Uh, we had a little, we had a little, uh, uh, guerrilla, uh, marketing from somebody at Auburn, <laughs> at, at Auburn network, uh, a little commercial went through a little bit early, <laughs> but other than that, how do you feel, how do you feel like your maiden voyage went as uh, as now a part of the team? Yeah, we're, we're pirates, Justin, you know, just like, uh, you know, like, like Logan, when he's talking to the folks at ATN, you know, right? Like we're going to, we're going to build something meaner and meaner and faster and stronger and all that good stuff. No, you know, I, I love talking to you guys and, and it's. I was uh, humbled and flattered and honored when when you suggested that I could be a part of the podcast on a more regular basis. But no, it's just uh, it's 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 great to uh, it's great to get to spend some time with you guys, and I, and I hope folks enjoy uh, the, uh, the the ramblings when we when we try to make when we try to make sense of the stuff. Yeah, off season we're going to make a lot of ramblings happen because that's that's what we're really really good at. Painter, uh, we're about to to wrap things up here uh, next podcast we'll do sometime later this week it'll be thursday or friday uh, next week we've got we've got some stuff to do kind of kind of flexibility wise you can send me your uh mailbag questions at the earlier the better uh, it always helps for for planning just shoot them to me in an email or you can tweet them at me at jferguson au at any time uh and like i said we'll be back monday with a newsletter on denver jones and we will continue with our football and basketball coverage should be a busy off season uh should be a really really fun off season we are looking forward to everything we've got going on uh, here at the Observer. Uh, happy Easter weekend, everybody! Hope hope all of you today on Sunday, if you're listening to this on Sunday, uh, get time with friends and family. And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back later. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, the age old question: Yes or no, Cadbury egg? Ooh, I'm I'm not. You know what it is? There's something about that simulated egg candy that just doesn't doesn't do it for me man there's there's i don't i don't know like that that can stay that and peeps can stay in the they can stay in the box all year round as far as i'm concerned i just i'm not maybe maybe i'm just not with it on marshmallow but i'm gonna have to vote gonna have to vote no